Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Siegel. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like an ever-changing story. Uh, it seems to a degree the coronavirus situation in Israel is worse than here, just in terms of the number of people that are being quarantined. And the travel thing is a is really difficult because so much travel has been suspended. Uh, I guess the only thing to say at this point is that the Israeli government, like other governments around the world, are handling this the best way possible, right? There's n- n- Probably the only way possible. Right. I mean, countries don't have much option until there's a, some sort of a vaccine in there. As you know, Israeli companies and American companies are racing to try and develop one, but it takes time. It's not something you can just um, turn on the computer and come up with a solution. Uh, it is, uh, I think that... It is justified to have an overabundance of caution, as the the term du jour uh, indicates, that they, Israel has um, quarantined people, mostly voluntary quarantine, who traveled abroad, who were at different conferences, uh, one that I was supposed to speak at, unfortunately didn't, but the, the wow. um, you know that they've closed... Are going to close the main terminal and use the the old terminal. Wow! That, that all the flights from Europe have been stopped virtually. Uh, that's Israel's choice. Um, that the the uh, many of the high tech companies are closed right now because you know they get their parts and stuff from China wow. or from other Asian countries. The um, there are shortages of certain things developing here and there. That's interesting, like Purell and. People see it, on, you know, when and people hoard unnecessarily. It's a mistake uh, because there's no, there doesn't be any indication that that's going to be a, an immediate problem. But the, you know, the, the, it's concentric circles of people who may have, there may be one person at the center, and then this, his immediate family or contacts. And then all of those who had contact with them, and then the circle of all of those who had contact with the people they had contact with or were in the presence of somebody at an event where you could have had 500 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people in a stadium or in a big school. So uh, a number of schools are closing for a few days to clean, right. and I think that that's a, a wise step to, to make sure that, and, and we should make sure every yeshiva, every synagogue, really does a, a good job at disinfecting the premises because you, you never know somebody who had some tangential contact, m- maybe not even knowing it, in a, let's say in an airplane or a bus or something. So people should just be, be very careful, especially about the elderly or people who somehow their health is compromised. For most people, it's not a, a threat. It, it, the death rate, I think, is less than the overall flu, the general flus that we have every year. It, this is a, an annual occurrence. This one just seems to be more virulent. But the um, you know the, there's a, a reaction to it as if this is the, the black plague or the bubonic plague, and so far it is not that. Uh, and the travel industry, which is such a, uh, such a key, obviously, and, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are people now 
in Israel who who need to get back to the United States at some point, some for weddings and some for yuntif, etc. And I know there are a million other problems that are that are out there as well. Uh, but people have to realize that that all of this could come to a halt at some point um, if, if they've taken both Israel, the U.S., and other countries have taken the measures they've taken so far. Mm-hmm. Let's not fool ourselves. This could be uh, you know all these restrictions could be coming uh, in a much stronger fashion. Also, uh, look. Uh, you've always been, obviously, a proponent, as all of us are, of uh, of checking, as you just said, checking on the elderly and others. We have people in our communities that are now quarantined. So, you know, and that could be a really boring experience and a very tense experience. So whatever we could do to reach out to them, especially this time of year when people are used to Shabbat Zachar and Purim being, you know, public gatherings that are usually fun and, uh, you know, upbeat, etc. So we should keep everybody in mind that uh, if you know that, there are people or communities at this point that are essentially indoors for the duration. Uh, do what we can to be in touch with them and to make things as easy for them as possible. Could be a big boost for Dafyomi. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> and, and people can go online and uh, do a lot of all the things that they wanted to study or learn or or read. Now's the opportunity to do it. I would say, I would, you'd probably agree with me on this. For those of us who have always considered finishing our book that we're writing, this would be a good time. <laughs> Mal- I, Mal- I hope this is not going to last that long. Malcolm, if, but, you, if you were secluded for a couple of weeks, you might actually pick it up and finish that project. I mean, right? I can think of things to so a good long period of time right now, but the, it, it, it's not a joke for those who, yes, who are there true. and the schools that have to close and the dislocation, the, the businesses. And you have to think of the longer term because till the production lines are back up even when this is over yep. and until they're able to supply it, it will be months before we get back and, and you see what the cost is in the stock market yeah and to I, I mean i speak to business people who are telling me tales of horror for what it means for them unbelievable all right day to day take it one day at a time everybody I mean, people are asking me, you know, advice about stuff that's happening two, three weeks from now. I'm saying, we have no idea what the situation is going to be two, three weeks from now. One day at a time, stop thinking about hypotheticals and stop worrying about stuff you can't control at this point. I think it's a good piece of advice. All right, um, go to the Israeli elections. So he ends the night, the prime minister of Israel, uh, with 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 um, exit polls indicating that he's likely either at 59 or 60 seats as a right-wing bloc, not the Likud party, you understand what I'm saying? And uh, and then eventually, of course, as the days go by, now he's at 58 seats. So the likelihood that it, it looked really likely he'd be able to form a government of this right-wing bloc uh, earlier in the week, and now it does not seem as likely. We'll talk about the law in terms of you know what Lieberman did with this uh, law blocking him from forming a government in a minute. But just on the sheer numbers, can the prime minister form a government? Right now, no, and uh, there are even those who speculate that the opposition party, the Blue and White, would have a better chance because wow. they have the backing of the Arab bloc. Even though they wouldn't join the government, they would vote to. They would indicate that they would support that against Netanyahu. So, if he has fifty-eight uh, right now, that means there are sixty-two he does not have. Right. And you know, there are going to be a, a series of legislative maneuvers in the Knesset. Uh, spurred by Lieberman and Blue and White and others, that would, one, restrict a prime minister to two terms, which he's already surpassed, and these would be retroactive, meaning that it would apply to Netanyahu 
as well, uh, and one that under indictment a prime minister cannot be elected or can't serve. And there are other initiatives, I understand, that, that will be put forward. And they could pass. I mean, you could have enough votes. Now, I don't know. Sorry if the um, courts will support it and how they will, you know, um, address it, whether you can have retroactive bills and whether you can have, uh, is it the power to Knesset to legislate these things? But the, the clearly there will be challenges before they come to conclusion. The, pro, the president has to make a decision. There's a set time frame uh, to if so he will start interviewing the parties and see who has the best shot. Uh, he may be reluctant to give it to Netanyahu because of the indictment, um, but I'm not sure that he has that complete discretion himself to, to be able to make the decision. So one second. It's possible that when the president of Israel turns to his first group or his first candidate to form a government, it could be Gantz? Yes. Wow. And and he has done, in the past, they've turned to minority uh, governments because it depends on the uh, winners, because it depends on who has the best shot of putting together the 61 votes. And right now, Netanyahu would need three defections, at least, from Blue and White, or many people are speculating the Labor Party under Amir Peretz, that they would come into um, the Likud coalition and, um, of course, get their pound of flesh in terms of uh, you know, maybe a defense ministry, other ministries that uh, they would probably demand for, for the move. So, yes, it could be that the president would turn first to, to if enough parties indicate to him, and now especially Lieberman with his seven seats um, indicates that he would support uh, a blue and white-led government rather than a liquid-led government. Boy, has anybody told Bibi this? <laughs> because if you watched him Monday night, boy, he thought this was his greatest victory of all of them. And by the way, didn't he have 60 seats in, in, in the right-wing bloc the first of these three elections? And still, and still, uh, well, he he did better now than he did in terms of the total vote, and I think he's right to declare a personal victory in that people, until recently, they had him way below, uh, or significantly below, meaning a couple seats, which is significant, and the difference between um, we could and blue and white now is still significant, but not when you look at the totality of the vote and you look at the Arab bloc in particular, which is I think sixteen seats. And they got about 20,000 Jewish votes, which is enough for at least one seat uh, and maybe much more. We don't know yet the complete analysis of this. Um, it's a, it was a protest vote, I think, on the part of some of the Jewish community. Uh, and um, so th- th- there are so many moving parts right now that could fluctuate. And then you have the problem of, of could the, we could put up somebody different and who could lead the party and put together a coalition. Right. Um, that we're, we're, back, we're, we're back to that story now. Exactly About right. replacing the time. What do you think of a voter turnout? Was it 72%? Yeah, it was very, it was remarkable, and that is what a democracy should have, and I hope that Americans will take note, especially American Jews, and will go out and vote not just in the WCO elections, but in the <laughs> U.S. elections, and and. You know, those who aren't registered, register now. You still have time. And um, whether you register, whatever party you register in, although in New York State, 
registering Democratic makes more sense because most of the races are really the Democratic primaries, right. um, not exclusively, but someone often. someone who's been someone who has been eligible to vote in this country for ten years says to me yesterday, "I just voted in a WZO election. It's the first time I ever voted for anything in my life." I'm like, "Wow, you know, like." <laughs> Give me a break. You know, get get a little bit more involved and understand the power that you have by having the right to vote. Uh, oh, and someone was here visiting us who's originally from Australia. He said it's a, there's a law. You get fined if you don't vote, which I thought was interesting. It, 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 yeah, yeah, not in the museum, but in the general yeah, election. Yeah, I meant right. in the general election. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, um, uh, the, the in, in many countries... There are penalties, and people are really required to vote unless they have a medical or other excuse. Right. And this is a good time to remind everybody, and you always say this, but, you know, it's 2020, and there's a big election coming up uh, toward the end of this year. Register to vote. If you haven't registered to vote, use the opportunity now to register to vote and convince those in your family who are 18 years or over. And, I'm, again, I'm talking about the real general election in this country now, not anything else. Register to vote. Um, and convince others to do so. For our community especially, it's extremely important. Uh, that and it's w- important for the primaries. Right. People should register now because we have critical primaries, whether it's city council, state legislative races, where uh, the community has a vital interest in who occupies those seats, can make a big difference, sometimes bigger than you know, a member of Congress individually can, can make a difference. And that the the stakes are are really high when when hundreds of thousands of people in our community are not registered and don't turn out to vote even if they are and and they should be reassured they're not going to get drafted they're not going to get um, parking tickets they're not going to be called for jury duty any more right. right. than if they pay a telephone bill or an electric bill or have a car registered or anything else they're in the same pool it does not anymore influence that. All right, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Since Malcolm mentioned it, remember, everybody, slate number four. If you are going to vote in the WZO election, slate number four, go to VoteOIC.org, VoteOIC.org. All right, I got to revisit this, Malcolm. I know you've already commented on it, but I mean, this is what he did. He, meaning Lieberman, he's promoting two laws. The first would limit the tenure of the prime minister to two terms, as you mentioned, and the second would prevent an MK, a member of Knesset, under indictment from being charged with forming a government. Now, I, I mean, I, 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 maybe because I'm used to the way things work in the U.S., I would imagine that here, I think I'm right. Uh, most middle-of-the-road judges, whether they're BB fans or not, would really toss these out at this point simply on the timing because, you know, it's obvious the po- the, the political um, uh, mission that Lieberman's on in order to, you know, and, and, and the reason he's gone ahead and, and, uh, and proposed these bills and has gotten the 62 MKs to agree to vote for them. I mean, it's just, it's obvious, right? Right. Wouldn't they, wouldn't the judges in Israel just put an end to this now? And say between the timing and the you know and the absurdity of making this or making one of them a retroactive law, it just makes no sense. It's it's a good question, but you know if it's legal, then it's legal to do it. I mean, there's no they, the judges can't uh, can can rule on it and can try to inhibit it, but they have to make a case, and the lawyers will have a chance, and everybody else will have a chance to put forward their theories. 
It's a democratic process. So we have three possibilities. Either BB forms a government, Gans forms a government, or there's going to be some replacement for BB who's going to be uh, uh, in charge of forming a government and he'll have a more likely shot of doing it than BB would. Those are basically the three possibilities right now. And the fourth possibility is that they go to elections, which I think is unlikely because the, the Israeli public just doesn't won't tolerate it and uh, really fed up with uh, the fact that you had had three elections in less than a year. I mean, we believe in democracy and, and voting, but the, you can become addicted to voting, I guess. <laughs> they, they are. so the And these campaigns, which are very costly, and Israel needs a solid government with, you know, with a surety so that they can, let's say, in the military, make long-term purchases or, you know, every ministry needs needs time in order to plan ahead. So when you're dealing with the virus, which they've dealt very successfully with, and um, uh, but but you know it needs some people there who will have long-term uh, opportunities to address these issues. And there's always this level of uncertainty about um, you know about what the next step, who will be in the positions of authority. Uh, so it makes it very difficult. So I don't think a third election, a fourth election, is likely. <laughs> it's not impossible, um, and I'm I'm hopeful that they'll come to some sort of a sound arrangement. I know there are a lot of discussions going on within various factions about who uh, uh, forming some sort of unity government. Yeah, and and, and now. Uh... In the Yaakov Katz article this morning, he's actually talking about coronavirus being the the element that might bring the two of them together. Uh, I mean, that, that makes sense to an extent because, you know, national emergencies do have a habit of, of creating a little bit of unity. But is that nearly as likely a unity government as, as much as one of the two of them actually forming a government? I do think that it's, it, is, um, it has a higher degree of likelihood. Right wow. Now. Interesting. Because the, the stalemate is is very difficult. The reliance on the Arab parties will be um, not palatable to many people, and especially because you have such radical elements within those parties. So to and and to have a government of fifty nine or sixty one, which will be then subject to the pressure of individual members, that threatening all the time that if they don't get their way, that they will bolt uh, and then deny. The prime minister, the incumbent prime minister, any uh, successful legislative effort. So those are not great alternatives. Instead of the president um, you know, giving the assignment to one of them to form a government, could he make that his first priority? Get together and, and try to form a unity government? Sure. He could do that. Sure, sure. You know what else I found interesting, by the way? Growing up and then eventually becoming an adult, it always seemed that Lily could in the right wing block as time went on overnight, then the next day, etc., always increase the mandates. You know, they always talked about the army vote being a factor in that, etc., when it was eventually counted. And this, right. time, and this time, the exact opposite happened. He was he was 59-60, depending on which exit poll you, you believed, and depending on, you know, which results you were looking at, actual official results. And then he ended up at 58. I thought that was funny that, that usually it happens just in the reverse. It usually does, but um, so you have various elements that, that come into play. One, um, Lieberman seemed to gain strength from some of the things, so that, that there might be soldiers who are of Russian origin or or ah. those who joined the anti-Haredi line that he joins or uh, just vote as a protest vote uh, with him, and that, that really changed it. And, of course, the diplomats' vote, which I don't, I don't think is 
that big a number as yeah. is the the uh, soldiers and their vote was counted last right interesting all right speaking of elections what do you think of the uh, the biden reemergence well it was a last shot at stopping uh, the momentum that bernie has if in fact it has been stopped and we'll see that in the next round of the uh, of elections, but I think uh, the many in the Democratic Party came to realize that that Sanders was probably not electable and couldn't build a much broader coalition than the one he has, and that the the concern was the down ticket races, meaning congressional and other races, would right. suffer uh, because people either wouldn't vote or would once they vote against uh, a Democratic candidate, they vote down straight down the line. Um, so there were there were a lot of concerns. There still remain a lot of concerns. I mean, you could have a stalemate at a brokered convention. The difference between Biden and um, and uh, Sanders now, in terms of numbers of delegates, I think it's a hundred difference, and they're both still far away from the magic number. So we have to see how how they both fare in the next set of elections, and can Biden show that. You know, the, the goofs and the mistakes, misstatements are just that, nothing else, and, and uh, not a, uh, something that the people, that they would have to face all the time. And, um, and Sanders, if he moderates some of his positions, we'll have to see that, I, I believe, is unlikely because his support is really based on that. Right. And so this is a recognition of reality, and certainly you see that Democrats, the traditional Democrats rejoicing at the the emergence of Biden. Uh, and, and and either way, whoever wins the nomination is going to have, I don't know if you'd call it an uphill battle, but certainly a battle against the president. I mean, uh, absolutely. And in the he's battleground so states, he's so strong in some of the battleground mm-hmm. states. And I, but the one thing you can know is that it, the debates will be very interesting <laughs> if it's Sanders or Biden versus Trump. Yeah, very entertaining, no doubt. Uh, by the way, on the coronavirus slash Israeli elections, two things. First of all, first on the election, um, I noticed, you know, usually um, the cable news channels, national news on, you know, the, the major networks, if there is such a thing anymore, they would pay a little bit of attention to the Israeli election. I mean, after all, it is the Israeli election. They know that there are a lot of people watching who are interested. It got so buried. Now, I'm wondering, is it just because it's the third time in a year or is it the foreign policy topic that you and I discussed last week, where where even the media outlets are getting the feeling that really nobody's interested in the foreign policy angle at all at the moment, and an Israeli election is no big deal. It's not being included in the first half hour of a newscast. You're right. It got uh, minimal coverage, yeah. maybe because it is the third time, and maybe because Israel gets so much coverage generally as related to other foreign policy issues, which get a minority of the coverage, and you look at the debates, foreign yeah. policy hardly was a factor. Right. It's, this is very sad. I think it's, it's uh, and very unfortunate when you, have a, when you look at all the issues in the world today that are ongoing and, and deserve and demand um, all sorts of attention from us, what, what's happening in Iran, what's happening with Turkey, what's happening in, in Idlib now, and in, in, in the bombings and stuff that's taking place. We see the collapse of countries like you know, Lebanon, the, the threats to Jordan, the, the, ca- the cancellation of Juniper Copra exercises because of the virus that America and Israel's joint annual missile defense exercise uh, is canceled. Um, I mean, there's such a range of issues that, that have come to the fore that 
uh, good and bad. I mean, you saw Oklahoma became the 29th state to adopt anti-BDS legislation, anti-boycott legislation against Israel, even though Congress in this past week couldn't muster the votes to uh, pass an uh, anti-boycott legislation that Lee Zeldin, Congressman Zeldin, uh, introduced. But they did pass uh, other things, including the Never Again Holocaust Education Act. The, um, there's another legislation against uh, killer drones, the ones that have been used against Israel and others. Um, but uh, um, the the range of issues, and we haven't even talked about Iran yet. We haven't talked about what's happening in in other countries like Turkey and internally, which could have a very long-term impact, or China. Um, and and the focus is so narrow that uh, in the debates that it's uh, it's almost as, as if they're not relevant to, did, to what is going on. Did any countries express open displeasure with Netanyahu's victory, or they too basically ignored it like the rest of the world? No, I don't think anybody came out against it. And, those who expressed criticism, certainly some members of Congress and others who were. I mean, I would assume, know, I would, I would, happy, I, but, and I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume PA leadership must have made a comment again. Well, of course, yeah, we, and, we, and we on, don't count that. And on the coronavirus thing, my my point was, um, you know, we we see that it's affecting Iran. Um, will 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 it will it matter? In terms of how Israel's dealing with Iran or how they're viewing Iran, like I mean, if there if there is an epidemic in the country, does it put and, and very possibly they'll be at the feet of certain countries, not necessarily Israel, but you know they may may need help from certain countries around the world. Is it going to change the landscape of Iran and uh, and the rest of the world? So that's, there are multiple questions there, but let's uh, try and answer each one. The virus is the worst in Iran other than China. I wonder why. And because they didn't do anything to restrict people, and many people come to Qum, uh, the religious site, on pilgrimage, and they, they ref- and they kiss the monuments there, and they, in some cases lick it, and they, and they were begged to, to by the people in Iran to close it as the uh, Saudis, for instance, closed Mecca, so you had this influx of foreigners coming in, carrying the disease in some cases, and then passing it on at at uh, the holy sites or in other ways in contact. Um, Twelve members of the parliament have died already. Have died? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Died. And two two of Khamenei's key key aides have died. Um, and now remember, Khamenei himself as cancer and is considered certainly vulnerable by age and, and medical condition. The, um, uh, the, the number of dead is probably in the thousands because they, they, they station militia at the hospitals to prevent doctors and nurses from giving interviews or from telling the truth about how many people really have, uh, have, have died or are sick or infected. Uh, at this time, and it's certainly much more than what they have said and, and, and admitted to, till now. I mean, it's a certain point you can't hide it because the people know w- what's happening with it. Um, and and you see that Iran continues despite this, and despite the fact that their economy is in collapse, that the the unemployment is zooming. It's in thirty forty percent range. That the uh, the currency there is in in free fall the um you know the exports are almost 
none. Their borders are all sealed, they, which has already been true for a while with Turkey, Azerbaijan, et cetera, because of the outbreak and uh, the contamination. And, and then people from Iran went to other countries and the um, you know and spread it. So you, you have a, a number of circumstances, and they're still trying to fill the, the Soleimani slot. And by the way, something very important came out that Soleimani said before his death that the allegation that Israel had kidnapped four Israeli diplomats, something Iran has hammered away at for decades, uh, was not true. He admitted that they knew that it wasn't true. They just used it, and an Arab journalist has written this up. That the the um, you know and how the Western media also would repeat the Iranian charge. These four diplomats were taken, and there were, there were Lebanese soldiers, I think, who who admitted that they uh, shot or knew shot them, and it was not uh, related to Israel. So th- they've also ordered Pidge to continue. Uh, the long, the, not to allow a long-term calm, which is why you see the periodic launching of the missiles and, and uh, explosions, and Hamas is not able to contain them. The, um, we see that the, uh, their spying activities, they, they, they compromised a, a translator working in Iraq who, who then gave, working for the Defense Department of the United States, who gave them vital information including the names of operatives and of operations. Their name was Thompson. Um, And so you see Iran continues all of these activities, but most of all, they announced that they have tripled the enrichment of uranium. Now the IEA, finally, International Atomic Energy Agency head, uh, Rafael Grossi, said that, that they're being denied access to vital sites. So it's not just the amount of enrichment, but it's also that there may be facilities that, we don't know about or that they certainly haven't had access to inspect and they're going public and they're talking about uh, sanctions and arguing that it's time for the snapback sanctions that were supposed to come in under the JCPOA for such violations. And um, so we'll, we'll see whether the Europeans will find the strength to do this. Will they back, uh, I'm sure U.S. will, will support it some sort of uh, punishment for Iran for continuing um, these vi- escalating the violations. And it means also that their, their breakout time, the time that it will take for them to actually build a bomb, will be reduced greatly. Wow, unbelievable. So have they, have they instituted a quarantine system there or not in, a, in Iran? Theoretically, there's some sort of a quarantine, but the hospitals don't have the material to treat people. I know in the northwest area there was a break outbreak, and they they just the hospitals have no capacity to treat people or to handle them, and you don't have internal distribution. And because of their financial situation, and the United States has offered them help and stuff, but they of course don't want to take anything to Great Satan. Yeah, but but a, but, a little uh, Satan either. But how long can they hold out and not take from Great and Little well, Satan? Well, that's why yeah, yeah, you're having growing dissatisfaction at home, uh, which hopefully will have longer-term consequences. But, you know, they, they can get away with announcing that they triple the, the enriched uranium. And, the you know, we knew that these things, I've talked about it on the air so many times, about how much activity is going on. And, um, and the current stockpile means that they're within reach of the amount needed to produce a, a nuclear weapon. And they were only supposed to have 202 kilogram and now they're saying that they have a thousand twenty nine 
or 20 kilograms of uh, enriched uranium. And the people are not looking for this. The, they, the people want somebody to come in there and treat those who who have uh, who have died. Now we we know that um, that a hundred or more who are admitted to, to have been uh, have been killed, but um, you know they and they're sending their three hundred thousand Basiji militiamen to go house to house to screen residents and disinfect their homes, and uh, and and Iranian doctors then complained about it because they said they're not trained and they're more likely to spread the virus than to contain it and and the, the, the demand that they close come. So the number of dead, we don't know, but I've seen the estimates, as I said, up to a thousand or more. And the number of cases certainly in the, could be up to 10,000 or more. And people are complaining about the way China's handling it. They're handling it brilliantly compared to Iran. They did, and they acted uh, in most. Well, we don't know if they acted immediately because we don't know how long they really knew about it. Right. But they certainly have been. Uh, there certainly have been efforts to move on it. Unbelievable. Um, all right, I thank you very, very much, and uh, we will speak. Please God, next week. Have a happy Purim, and we uh, pray for the full and speedy recovery of all those in our community and beyond our community who are suffering from this thing at this moment. And I thank you very much for joining us, Malcolm. You're very welcome. Have a good Shabbos. And, and everybody have a Purim Sameach. You should celebrate. Oh, Malcolm, I'm, 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 I'm going to throw you on the same bandwagon. You agree with us. Uh, people should be very careful before deciding to dress up uh, in any costume that has anything to do with the coronavirus. It would be not only insensitive to people who are quarantined and suffering, it would also be something that no doubt in this social media world the world will pick up on and won't look our, make our community look too good. I think they should be careful in general about the costumes, you know, picking themes that, you know, in the past have backfired and created scandals or uh, even if it's not the intent. But I I would agree with you that I think it would be highly insensitive. There are many in our community who have been uh, quarantined and who are suffering because of it and not for any fault. And they shouldn't be condemned and they shouldn't be. We should, as you said, reach out to them, make sure they have Shabbos meals and uh, meals for Pesach, for uh, Purim, Suda. Um, we'll have to see yet how this is going to impact the Pesach businesses. But, you know, I've talked to people in the travel business and others who have called us and they are suffering greatly as well. And, you know, as I said, the, the shutting down of the foreign airlines coming to Israel is a huge blow, and hotels have told me that the, I, I myself was in the airport in Washington this week, and it was empty. Wow, unbelievable. And the billions of dollars, it's, I think it's the top story in today's New York Times, the billions of dollars that the airline industry is facing in terms of losing. And obviously not everybody uses airlines because it's only a certain tens of millions who actually do, but it is such an important uh, it, it's such an important avenue for commerce. And they won't recoup it. Everybody, right. you know, thinks that you know once this is over, everything will go back. Right. It's not true. You know, people who cancel trips don't make the trips up again. Right. People who cancel the vacations or or even business trips, I, I think it'll force countries to become more self reliant. That they're going to have to reexamine their you know their reliance on Chinese or other countries for. Uh, cheap goods or cheaper goods. It's not cheap anymore. And this could cause really revolutionary changes. Hopefully some of those changes will be positive. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents 
of major American Jewish organizations. He joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. 